0: I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, and I wonder how he could love of night, lift my eyes, lift my eyes.
1: the Lord in heaven is my strength. And that's how it's supposed to be. I was talking to a friend this week who uh just, just kind of discouraged with life because we are not promised as believers. We are not promised an easy life, amen. Trials will come, but he is with us. And I told her, I, th- I, I said, I really just think the point is that when we get to the place where we think we can just do it all on our own, that is not how it should be. It is right that we acknowledge that the Lord is our strength through every moment, through every step. Who remembers the old song, I need the every hour? Oh, yeah. How about every minute? Anyone? (laughs) Yes. That's how it's supposed to be. That that helps our human pride not get carried away, but that is how he designed it to be. You're not meant to do it on your own, right? You're meant to do it through his strength. We're going to Uh, sing another song about the love of God. It's called The Love of God. This might be a new song to some of you, but it's an older song. And I just, if if this is unfamiliar to you, I just pray that you would be able to close your eyes and just bask, just bask in the love of God. This gets really descriptive. It literally describes as the best we can with human words, what, how vast is the love of God. So if you don't know this song, just bask. If you do know this song, just bask in and worship with it. Let's sing together.
0: The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star. And it reaches to the lowest town. The guilty pair bow down with care. God gave his son to. We'll see.
2: So glad you've chosen to join us today. And as we go to prayer, I've just had on my heart this morning that many have come this morning, perhaps overwhelmed or just overworked, or just over it, whatever it might be in your life. And Amy shared about praying and spending time with a friend that was just overwhelmed, and I know many of you can probably relate in different different ways. If not this week, then there certainly has been time in your recent past where you felt that way. But we come to God's presence today and not as, in the negative sense, but in the positive sense, as overcomers, Uh, we we have a God who loves us, who's faithful, who's with us in the high moments and low moments, as you'll hear more about later this morning, but a God who knows all of your struggles, who's not caught off guard by anything you're going through, who's not surprised, and whether we see it or not is already at work. As so we go to prayer, we do so with confidence, with belief that he hears us, that he knows what's going on in our lives, that he loves and cares. So if we open up our hearts to him and allow him to guide us, he might take us in a direction that is different than the one that we've chosen. He might show us a different path or have a different solution than the one that maybe we think is best. But we do so knowing that his love for us is immeasurable, that his grace is never ending, and that he cares even more than we could possibly imagine. You know I have the words, but you have a God who's here. He hears the cries of your heart. You're not alone. Allow me to pray for you this morning as we pray. go to him together. Father, we thank you for who you are. We, we hallow your name, we lift you up. And Lord, it's difficult when things are heavy, when things haven't gone our way, when maybe life is, maybe it seems unfair when we're tired, when we've just had enough, or perhaps when we've lost hope. But we come this morning, regardless of what brought us here, whatever our motivation might be to be here this morning, whether we want to be or whether we were forced to come, or whether, it doesn't matter, Lord, we're here, we're in your presence, we wanna hear your voice. And I pray you would just meet us right where we are, in the midst of our emotions, perhaps our unsettledness, perhaps our loneliness, God, and just draw us close. We want to hear you. Whisper to us what we need to hear. Not what we want to hear, but, Lord, what we need to hear. Implore, Lord, with your Spirit's leading to to push us, pull us, Lord, to become or to do what it is, Lord, you want us to do. Maybe it's time that we get up out of the pit it's maybe it's time that we, we get to work so to speak father to do and to be who you want us to be we need to respond to your leading to the grace lord we've received to the difference god you make in our lives so we do can encourage someone else for the sick lord that need a to touch we pray for that today for the lonely the discouraged the depressed father who need a word help them know they're not alone for the relationships, Father, that are struggling. Remind us of the covenants, Lord, that we've entered into, the commitments we've made. Fill us with a humble heart, humble spirit. Fix that, Lord, which we've broken. Do a good work in us, Lord. Finish that thing which you've started. Have your way among us, God, I pray. And Lord, as you have a word for us to hear this morning, I pray, Father, that More than a story, Lord, we see you, see your faithfulness, see the difference you make in our lives, the opportunity, God, we have to make a difference in the lives of others. We thank you, God. We give you glory and praise in advance for all that you're going to do this morning. Thank you for bringing us here. Now, God, help us to hear your voice. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, many of you know that today is a day when uh, Velveeta cheese and chicken wing sales go through the roof. Perhaps you're ready for a party or a gathering. Maybe you could care less and don't even know that there's a football game on tonight. Uh, It's kind of where I'm at since my team has not been very good for a while now. But um, that's okay. I'll deal with that next year. But we're glad you're here today because I, I believe you're going to enjoy what God has for us. About a year ago, I asked Jordan Thompson if he'd be able to share his story on Super Bowl Sunday, and you'll understand the relevance of that here in just a few moments. And he has uh, graciously agreed, and after what he shared first service, I'm, I'm confident you're going to enjoy what he has to share with us today. All of our lives have challenges, right? We, we all have moments of, of, of great joy and moments of, of great struggle, highs and lows, and his story is no different. And he's going to share with us how God has worked in his life, through his life, uh, over a course of many years, and we're thankful um, for what he's going to bring to us. So, Jordan, invite you to come and hope that you will enjoy and hear God in his words this morning as he shares
3: with us. Good morning, church. So, as Brian mentioned, my name is Jordan Thompson. My wife Ashley and I, we've uh, been attending this church. We moved to Marysville for the second time here two years ago, and um, ever since we came, we've been attending here, and we're so thankful. Uh, to find this church family, it's been a, a truly wonderful experience. We have two little ones, Rory and Lo, and uh, we're so thankful for the children's ministry here and uh, the excitement that they have. They get to go to church school, um, and they're they're so excited for that each week. Uh, for those of you watching online, you've probably seen uh, us or me uh, as a tall guy that walks in the frame at about midway through the first song. Nearly every week, as it always seems that no matter how hard we try, someone is missing a shoe or a sock um, at the last minute. But I grew up in Rockford, Ohio. It's right up uh, Route 33, about an hour and a half, just before you cross into Indiana. Small town of about 1,000 people. A pretty normal childhood, I would say, growing up. Uh, my mom was a schoolteacher for 35 years. My dad was a grain farmer. I have two older brothers. And uh, my mom likes to say we grew up playing in the dirt. So whether it was following uh, my older brothers to their sporting events and whatnot, uh, we spent a lot of time outside and I have a lot of great memories uh, from that time. Early on in life, tragedy struck our family. When I was five years old, my dad passed away. It caught our community, caught our family by total shock and surprise. He had just turned 36 years old in April, and in May, he passed away. And it was fast, it was over the course of several days. On a Thursday, he noticed some shoulder discomfort. On Friday, the pain had worsened. On Saturday, he went to urgent care and was diagnosed with a pulled muscle. On Sunday, he had trouble getting out of bed. So, my mom took him to an emergency room, and despite a pulled-muscle diagnosis, they kept him in the hospital due to the sheer amount of pain that he was in. On Monday, a uh, a special doctor came in and diagnosed him with flesh-eating bacteria. But by that point, it had spread throughout his body, and on Tuesday morning, he passed away. That was tragic, and that greatly impacted our lives. It impacted the lives of those in our community, and our family's lives. And that moment, right, is a moment in our time where like time stood still. Soon after he passed away, we had a a cruise that was pre-scheduled to go on as a family vacation with my mom's sister and her family. We went on that cruise And I remember, and mom shares the story, it was formal night, so she was dressed to the 10s, and us boys had our suit jackets on and ties. And we were getting our picture taken, and she said there was a group of women that were in line to get their photo taken and made the comment, boy, where where are those boys' father, right? And I share that with you because I think it's important, right, you never know what others are going through, right, and how hurtful words can be As we walked past them after getting our picture taken, my mom shared with them that our dad had passed away just like a month and a half prior. We were very blessed to be a part of a great community, very similar to the rural areas uh, surrounding the Columbus region here. We had a community that raised us. We had a church family that helped raise us. My dad's parents, my grandparents, lived just a quarter of a mile down the road. They were a tremendous pillar in our life growing up. I had many friends, many parents of my friends that took us in that would allow us to come hang out at their house. So I'm very thankful uh, for that, like strong foundational upbringing that I had. I give all the credit in uh, in the world to my mom for holding it together and raising three little boys. And an example I give of that is early on, I was always involved in different activities and competitions, and there's a pump, pass, and kick competition that I like to compete in. And the ultimate goal is to get to an NFL stadium to compete. And uh, along the path, there's several steps or several regions that you have to go through to get to that level. And I remember my mom and I showing up at a pump, pass, and kick competition early so we could warm up. And as I looked out across the field, it was all sons and daughters with their dads out there on the field warming up. So I looked at my mom and I said, let's do it, mom. She said, I can't throw it as far as you, but I can sure run it back to you. So there we were out in this field of fathers and sons and daughters. And it was me and my mom throwing the ball back and forth. We won that day, which was a feather in our cap. As time went on, I spoke about our church family. We attended every Sunday, and in our church, everyone was in the sanctuary for the 9 a.m. service. And then at 10 o'clock, the kids would go to the basement for Sunday school, and the adults would stay upstairs. And for some reason, one Sunday, I decided I was gonna sit up in the church pew with my mom and attend the adult Sunday school. And the message that morning was God moments. Pivotal times in people's lives where it has altered, um, altered their future. And as different people shared events and memories of their lives, there was a gentleman that raised his hand and said that the, a pivotal point in his life was when my dad passed away. He said, for as good a man as Roy was, and his, how fast he was taken from this earth, he said he reevaluated or he looked at his life, reflected on his life, and said i could be gone over a coffee break they said from that moment forward he became a better husband he became a better father to his children and that was really the first time through the the early years of my life i was always curious why us why did that happen why my dad and for the first time hearing that resonated with me and i began to accept that through the tragedy that struck our family and our life Others' lives were better from it. Years later, my mom was able to love again. We, my stepdad, Al, she married. And Al has been a tremendous father figure to us and has, uh, has been a wonderful person to have in our family and our lives. During this time, athletics was always something that I enjoyed, uh, something I competed in, and I used it as an avenue or an outlet. No matter how crazy things were at school with homework or at home or whatever the events were going on, I always found that on the ball field, on the basketball court, or on the baseball diamond, that was my solstice, that was my place. I could focus for the two hours of the day and just let everything else fade away. As my brothers are quite a bit older than me, as they went off to college, I could sense the financial burden that schooling can have on a family. And I thought to myself that maybe this this game, this sport that I love to play, could be an avenue for lessening that long term. I was very fortunate to be recruited by Ohio University my senior year of high school uh, by head coach Frank Solich, who's an outstanding man. And when I was getting ready to go to college, I heard something on the radio that really resonated with me. And it was a dad who was dropping his son off to college and he told him as he dropped him off, he said, son, remember who you are and whose you are as you go out and explore these next several years of your life. And that really stuck with me. Remember who you are, right? The morals, the values that you've been brought up with for the first 18 years of your life, never forget those, right? And then ultimately, whose you are. Right? you're a child of ours you're a child of god right and never let that be far from your mind when i got to school it was important to find my group i had immediately had 120 brothers uh, on our team but I, I needed something more than that and i found athletes in action as a campus ministry specifically catering to college athletes really globally at this point now and that was a a, a great place we had a, a a chaplain on campus that was always around our team, offering prayer, offering Bible studies, et cetera. And up until that point in my life, I always felt that on, in competition or in academics, I always had a little bit extra, a little secret weapon per se, right? And that was, I had an angel with me. Whether people knew it or not, I knew that I had my dad with me, maybe hitting a little extra harder, right? Throwing the ball a little bit farther, et cetera. But I had been playing to make my dad proud. All these years, I had competed to the best of my ability to make my dad proud. And it wasn't until I got to college and heard Colossians 3.23, "'Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward.'" And that, that message really resonated with me. That's kind of the, the Bible verse that athletes in Action um, is not necessarily founded on, but that, that is the message. And in that, they say you're playing for an audience of one, right? Here up until this point, my audience was my dad, right? And hearing that message and the meaning behind that, when the lights go on and all eyes are fixed on us, Our eyes are fixed on him, Jesus, the creator of the universe. It's not just a slogan, it's a lifestyle. Living for him, playing for him, and giving him all the glory. Win, lose, or draw, I play for an audience of one. And after hearing that message, I shifted my focus. I knew my dad would be proud. I knew my family would be proud. Immediately when I started playing for him, right, my anxiety went away. Right, the fear went away. There was a sense of calmness and peace in my life. I played to honor and glorify God, and I was no longer Jordan Thompson, the athlete, the football player, or the engineer. Right? I was Jordan Thompson, child of God. As an athlete at that level, there's avenues and platforms that are doors opened up. And I was fortunate to be able to use that platform for good and be able to bless the lives of others by sharing my story. One memory that really sticks out is a principal at a school that I, I didn't really know anyone in that school. He had reached out to me and said, we have a family of five brothers. Their dad had passed away around Christmas time last year. They're coming up on the one year anniversary of that. These boys are struggling academically, they're uh, struggling emotionally and basically have just isolated themselves as they've grieved the loss of their dad. They asked me to come speak to these boys and just share my story and give them some hope heading into the Christmas season. As I sat in the room and one by one, each boy walked in the room, Um, they were intermediate school age to high school. The last one came in and he looked at me and he said, is this about our dad? And I said, it is. And all of their heads just dropped. The weight in that room was immense. But through sharing my story, I was able to touch them, touch their lives. And I said, I don't know your dad. I can tell you he's a special guy. And even though he's not here physically, he is here with each one of you. And the way I was able to connect with them, I said... I guarantee one of you here looks just like your dad, right? And they kind of pointed to the one brother sitting across the table. And I said, so if he looks like your dad, one of you talk just like your dad. And they kind of pointed at the other brother. I said, so if he looks like your dad and he talks like your dad, one of you have the same exact mannerisms as your dad. And they pointed to another brother. And that unlocked a snowball effect of sharing memorable stories, what they, looked, you know, what they enjoyed about their dad. And the the weight of that room was lifted. At the the next day, the mother called the school to thank the principal. Said, "Thank you, thank you, thank you. Whatever you guys did yesterday," they said, "For the first time since those boys had buried their dad, they sprinted off the school bus and we shared stories until bedtime. That was the first time they had ever talked about their dad." Thank you for a wonderful Christmas gift. I think it's things like those over the years that you never know how your story will impact others. You just have to be willing to share it. It can be uncomfortable. My mom has been able to continue to use our story in a ministry back home called Grief Share. It's a, it's a nationwide ministry. You can take a look online. But she's been leading Grief Share now for a number of years to impact the lives of others that have suffered loss. It never ceases to amaze me that any time I'm back home, someone who a lot of times I don't know comes up to me and says, your mother is a saint. She has tremendously turned around the life of my mom or the life of my brother or the life of my aunt through her ministry that she's done uh, through Grief Share. And I think it's another example of sharing your story and using your story to impact the lives of others through you know, the tragedies that you've faced in life. As I continued through college, the goal to play at the next level, at the professional level, seemingly was within reach. I had multiple teammates that had been drafted years prior. I was able to see how they conducted themselves, things that they did well, and incorporate that into my game. My senior year, we started out at Penn State in Happy Valley in front of 100,000 fans. There's no better way to send people home sad than to beat them. And we did it that day. <laughs> Sending home 100,000 fans, followed up by multiple sellouts at our stadium down in Athens. We found our uh, way into the top 25 soon thereafter. The more, wins that we had on, uh, the more wins that we had as a football program, the more scouts started to show up to practices to see what was so special about our team. I found myself on the front cover of the game day program midway through that season, and God has a great way of humbling us. During that game of the program that I was on the front cover of, I got rolled up on and I knew it was bad. I tore multiple ligaments in my knee, and immediately I went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. I remember sitting in the locker room with my brother or one of my brother's tears rolling down my face, and he said, All things happen for a reason. It'll be okay. But in that moment, I found myself like at rock bottom. And I immediately reflected back on a passage that had been shared with us during a Bible study in college where it says, when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, that rock that you find yourself standing on, God is holding in the palm of his hands. He has his arms wrapped around you. He will see you through any trial and tribulation you face. The following days after my injury consisted of doctor's appointments, MRIs, and surgery was scheduled for later that week. I wanted to go back to practice to watch my, my team perform, and I remember sitting in the stands, and as they got out of meetings, as guys started to come out, I just had tears flowing down my face. I didn't want my guys to see me in that condition, so I decided it was best that I leave practice. And as I left and was crutching my way through the parking lot, it just so happened that God placed Jeff Shiver in my life. Jeff was a well-respected scout for the Chicago Bears that just so happened to be making his way to his car as well. He called across the way and said, Jordan, how are you? And I said, well, obviously I've been better, Jeff. Right? But in that moment, he told me, he said, hey, he said, the guy that I just watched on film for the last three hours, that guy can play in the NFL. He said, obviously, in your current state, you cannot. He said, but when you get healthy, give me a call. That moment gave me hope, right? In a time of darkness and uncertainty, God placed him in my life in that parking lot to give me hope. It was six months post-surgery that I had run faster than I had ever run before. I was um, offered an opportunity to go to Kansas City to rookie minicamp after the draft, There was a guy in the tight ends room that came in at the same time I did by the name of Travis Kelsey, right? So yes, I knew Travis long before Taylor did. (laughs) Although I wasn't 100% healthy during my time in Kansas City, what it allowed me to see was that I belonged, right? If I was healthy, I could compete at that level. As I left Kansas City, rosters in the NFL are at 90 guys during the offseason, right? And as the, as the preseason wears on, rosters get trimmed to 53. So over half the guys that are on NFL rosters lose their jobs over the course of the summer. So I knew it was gonna be tough to find a place on a team over the course of that summer. So I decided I better put my degree to use and I moved to Cincinnati. I found myself working at a, at a company uh, that I enjoyed working for, but I, the whole mission to go to Cincinnati was to be uncomfortable. I found myself living in a guy's basement that spoke very little English. I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor, and I didn't have a TV, and this is before iPhones, where you could get the news right at your palm of your hand. So I would go to the gym in the morning, and I'd go into the gym in the evenings, and that's where I got the latest events of the day. There were many a days where I turned the lights out as I left that gym, and with the whole goal of going back to pro day a year removed. As the season wore on and guys got hurt, teams would call. They would ask if I was healthy. Of course, I would say yes. they say, well, you're on our short list. We'll see how things go over the course of the season. Well, I found out that short list must be 30 or 50 guys deep because nothing ever progressed farther than phone calls. But after that first season ended, Oakland flew me in for a workout. Shortly thereafter, Green Bay brought me in for a workout. And after that Green Bay workout, I remember sitting in the airport. I called one of my brothers and I told him, I said, I'm wasting opportunities. My conditioning, my physical um, abilities, they're, I'm not at the level I need to be. I said, there's a workout facility in Cincinnati That other NFL free agents and guys on rosters are working out on, are working out at. But the, it's right in the middle of the workday. The workout was from 11:30 to 1 every day. So as I made my way back to Cincinnati, I met with my boss who had no idea that football was even on the radar, and I told him that in order to have to pursue my these opportunities, I needed to be at those workouts because I needed to surround myself with others that had the same goals, the same aspirations, and the same dreams. And I was reminded of Proverbs verse 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I needed to be with those group of people to be prepared to be ready. He looked at me that day and he said, Jordan, he said, I'm not going to be the, the guy that stands between a man and his dreams. Well, you go to those workouts, come in early, stay late, whatever you need to do to get your work done but you go to those workouts. And I'm forever indebted to that man for the perspective and the wisdom that he had to let this young kid leave work in the middle of the day. That's unheard of. So went to Pro Day back in Athens. This is a year and a half after I had last played a down of football. Performed well, which gave me an opportunity to go to Detroit for veteran minicamp. I went to, uh, through four days of practice, not under contract. After the fourth day of practice, they signed me. I remember sitting across from the table from the the contract guy that handed that contract and I read through it and I said, do I negotiate this with you? And he said, sign the paper, (laughs) right? So I signed that paper. That was a Thursday evening. I had to work on Friday. I had only taken four days of work off. So I'm driving back to Cincinnati. I call my boss and share with him the good news and tell them, but tomorrow is my last day of work. So I met with him early in the morning. We hashed out some details. And I could say, if there's ever a great way to quit a job on short notice, telling them that you just signed a contract to play professional football is the best way ever to do it. (laughs) None of the people at work knew what I was doing. None of them knew that football was even a real possibility. I wanted to be known as a guy that came in and did my work, not as a guy that is an athlete, right? I didn't want my identity to be just this, you know, this football player. As I quit my job in Cincinnati, went back to Detroit for the off-season programs, I was introduced to training camp. One of our coaches said, welcome to the NFL where the stakes are high, pressure is immense, and performance is everything. I knew that I had my work cut out for me, but little by little, I gained momentum through training camp and I became a regular player or regular guy in the rotation. As final cut down day came, I got the phone call that no one wants to get. I was told I was being cut by the team, that I needed to come hand in my iPad with had my playbook on it and clean out my locker and go home. So I walked out of the facility that day with my box of possessions that I had accumulated over the last couple of months. I left thinking, well, it's been a good ride. What's next? And I, my diet had been so strict during that time that the next thing on my mind was to go get some ice cream. <laughs> so here I am standing in an ice cream shop in Detroit, cone in hand and my phone rings I answer the phone and it's the the general manager for the Detroit Lions and says, hey, if you're still in town, come back to the facility. Some things have changed. So here I was, found myself just hours earlier, hitting a new low, uncertainty, not sure what was next, to carry in my box back into that facility with the biggest grin on my face. As the season went on, the guys in our tight end room continued to battle injuries. I found myself called up to the active roster playing against the New Orleans Saints. Quarterback Drew Brees, right? I had finally made it, right? I had reached the pinnacle of my career in that profession. We came back and won in the fourth quarter against the Saints and the next week, we went over to London to play the Atlanta Falcons. We were down 21 points at halftime and came back and won. The euphoria of those moments are something that I'll never forget. I think one of the most awesome things that's not widely publicized is the amount of faith in the locker room of an NFL team. We were led by Coach Jim Caldwell, who is a tremendous Christian man. He had a unique way of using biblical references in team meetings. Whether our guys realized it or not, he was able to make deposits into people's lives uh, while he was coaching that team. Dave Wilson is a pastor in nor- on the north side of Detroit. He was our team chaplain. He was always around. He led Bible studies, family Bible study on Monday nights, so players, spouses, girlfriends, children, etc. would all gather together for family Bible studies on Mondays. On Wednesdays, he would come to the team facility to host Bible study for our coaches and our front office personnel, as well as a separate Bible study for our players. And then on Saturday nights, whether we were home games or road games, he would travel with the team, stay in the hotel with us, and, and do a chapel service every Saturday night. The most encouraging thing of those chapel services was that of our team of 50 players and front office personnel that probably numbered, I don't know, 20 or so guys, right, it wasn't uncommon for the room to be packed. And I'm talking like 50-plus people all worshiping, worshiping together, hearing Jesus' word the night before games. I made it through that 2014 season. I thought it was quite a feat. I spent one season with one team. Many of my friends from school have stories of eight teams over the course of a season, right? Constant shuffling through, uh, through, uh, in that profession. In January 2015, after the season ended, I went back home for a period of time. And there was a man in the hospital by the name of John Gamble. John was a farmer in our community, a guy that, uh, a friend of my dad. They would farm together, they would help each other out during harvest season and so forth. John was also best friends with my stepdad Al. John and Al were friends from childhood growing up and we wanted to go visit John in the hospital after he was recently diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he had spent 83 days recovering from that operation in the hospital. Al and I went to visit John, thinking maybe that was the last time we would see him. And while we were standing in the the, uh, hospital room that day, His daughters, Amanda and Ashley, were standing in there as well. And as we said goodbye to John, he looked over at me and looked over at his daughter, Ashley, and looked back at me. Asked if I had a girlfriend. I said, actually, I do. And here come to find out his daughter, Ashley, had a boyfriend at that time. But John said, if that ever changes, keep her in mind. Granted, that was in 2015. As I went back to Detroit for my second season... There was a lot of excitement. I felt like I had a year under my belt and I was now considered a veteran. The third week of the preseason at the Washington Redskins, I was running down the field. I went to throw a guy out of my way and I felt the pop that nobody ever wants to feel. Whether it's a sound or a sensation, but the tearing of your ACL, athletes know that is not a good thing. So here I went back, I went to uh, the injured reserve for the remainder of the 2015 season. I was back in rehab, preparing myself to be ready to go for the next year. That off season, our front office had all been removed from their positions and the new regime came in and the first thing they did was cut everybody that had been hurt the previous season. Although I didn't know it at the time, that moment I think was God's perfect timing for my NFL career to be winding down at that time. What that allowed me to do was drive back home and spend the last day with my grandpa who ended up passing away uh, that next day. My grandpa was a pivotal point or a person in my life, a foundational father figure for me, and God's plan was for me to be back in that hospital room with him as, his, uh, as the end of his life came. I had one more shot, the Washington Redskins brought me in that next year during training camp. In a conversation I had with a scout, granted I was 26 at this time, he said, Jordan, age and injuries, finally caught up to you. He said, there's no place for you here. So as I transitioned out of my NFL career, it allowed me to, I had time on my hands, plenty of time, to focus on other things. My grandma and grandpa had lived in the country for their entire lives. And I was able to renovate a house in my spare time or in my free time for my grandma to move to town to get out of the farmhouse, get away from all the worry. And that was a great time or a special time to be able to do that for her. I was also working on a wedding barn project with a talented mutual friend of Ashley and I's. One thing led to another, connections were made. And shortly thereafter, I somehow found myself on an HGTV show. I was the lead carpenter on a show called While You Were Out, and it was with really prominent people that have TV shows with their names on them. I had no idea what I was doing there, but my mission while I was there was to be a window for God to shine through onto the lives of those I was working with. In 2017, Ashley's dad, John, passed away, and in 2019, I got to stand at the altar and watch my stepdad, Al, walk my bride down the altar to me as both Ashley and I's dads watched from heaven. So as I leave you here today, I have a few things I'd like to challenge you with. I want to challenge you to share your story. Use your talents to bring glory to God, to, sorry, use your talents to bring glory to God and be uncomfortable in doing that. Join a small group, volunteer, right? Make deposits in others' faith journey. Remember, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, you are the closest five people you spend your time with. That's very important. Surround yourself with good people. As over 115 million people are slated to watch the Super Bowl tonight, right? Know that many of those athletes on that field are playing for an audience of one. We should keep our focus on God as that is our true audience. Whatever trials and tribulations you face in your life, from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, remember, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Help one another out on this journey. And I'll leave you here with James chapter 1, verses 2-4. through four. Consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything and in verse 12 it says blessed is the man who preserves or perse- i'm sorry blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him.
2: I feel like we should do a touchdown dance or a (laughs) Gatorade shower or something. I'm a very simple man. (laughs) Wow. Never forget who your audience is. You never know who's watching, right? Some great takeaways. But don't also forget that you could be a Jeff Shiver to somebody else. I think there's some really a lot of elements to your story that just resonate and stick. And a lot that we can take away and live out, right? We can live this out. And what I take away from Jordan's story is that we all have a story. Yours may not have been on a football field, but your story matters, and God can use it if we let him. And I hope today you'll let him shine through your story wherever that may take you whatever that may look like because he has a purpose for your life for your ups and for your downs and I think we all uh, can be overcomers a lot of comebacks in your story right but isn't that what faith is all about is God helping us come back lifting us up from the lows so we can experience the highs with him can I pray for you let's pray together father thank you for what you have shared with us today this is a message that's been years in the making. It's also a message, Lord, that's still being written. Uh, you're not finished yet with Jordan Ashley's story. Uh, we get to share in that every week as we watch their family grow. Uh, we get to come beside them, Lord, now in, 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 in these great moments, and even in the not-so-great moments, of the Lord, that may come, that will come in life. But we share those opportunities with each one here today. It's a privilege and a joy to be part of a church that loves one another, that loves you. And Lord, we get to share in these moments where we celebrate, but also the times when we cry. And in it, Lord, help may we point others back to you. May we not be afraid to tell our story, because Lord, our story ultimately is your story. May we not be afraid to encourage others to leave deposits, Father, as Jordan shared, Jim Caldwell did, in his life and the lives of others. Every day we have an opportunity to make an impact. And may we do it with the idea, with the thoughts in mind that we are our living life for an audience of one. Lord, it's for your glory that we share these things. May we take them away with us. May it not just be something that we say, well, that was interesting and good, but may we go out and live it. And in so doing, Father, bring you glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy your cheese dip and chicken wings tonight. Live your best life and overcome. Know that God's still at work. Go serve your audience, the audience of one. Oh,